When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower. Every note. Or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew. Cruising. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. to top rating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. Okay, Alex, you made it into the network. You're here. I did. <laughs> You're here. I'm just, man, the network is expanding, ever expanding, and happy to have you in it. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. It's, it's Thursday. We're almost to Friday. It's a beautiful day outside. The weather's warm. Ah, love it. <laughs> I wish it was warm, Ron, man. It's like 45 degrees. It's not that Oh, warm. man. <laughs> Be jealous. Well, it's like 67 down here. Oh, I like 67. That's nice. That's very yeah. nice. Well, you ready to talk a little bit about health, wellness, your life? Absolutely. My your life. life. There's lots of things we can talk about for sure. I'm ready. It's all about you and your life. You know that, right? <laughs> Great. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. Let's start with the beginnings of Alex Hart, how that how that began and how this journey into health and wellness, uh, you know, folded into that. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a huge part of my story that so um, I was adopted when I was three years old. Um, By and... the way, that's awesome. My daughter, yeah. we adopted her totally uh, into that. Incredible. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it was, it was a big thing for me. And it was important because, um, I was actually when, before I was three, I was like, I went through five or six different foster homes. Mm. So as a young child, and, um, it was crazy. Cause when my parents did adopt me, I came with a lot of like trauma that obviously a three-year-old doesn't understand or hasn't processed. Um, and because of that, I actually had an eating disorder. I was an over a chronic overeater. I would mm-hmm. overeat to the point because food, for me was like safety. So I liked mm-hmm. that feeling of safety, not having been held as a child or like been had like that comforting feeling as a child meant that the only way that I felt comfort was when I was eating. And so my parents very frequently found me in like the cupboard, just like shoving my face full of whatever I could get my hands on. And, um, from a very young age, they realized that this could be a very significant problem. So they, um, put me through therapy and stuff like that. And the reason I tell that story is because a lot of, so I'm a, I'm a body image, food, intuitive eating, health, like wellness overall, like person. Um, and a lot of what I focus on is your relationship with your body and your relationship with food and having had such a really, really interesting start as a child with my relationship with food. Um, I feel like it's kind of shaped my experience and what I bring to the table and what I like to talk about because Um, we don't usually understand the amount of like health and wellness things that we are so focused on that has to do with a relationship or emotion towards food and how we use it to kind of like, we use a lot of things to kind of like help get through emotions or get through tough times instead of actually dealing with the emotions or feelings at the time. 
So then you must have some very interesting feelings about the current state of food and diet culture and social media. It's this big mixture of craziness, in my opinion. Yes. What are you seeing from your point of view? Man, I, I think it's all over the place. And I go, I, I think there's a lot of toxicity in all movements right now along body image and body, like body positivity, but even like health and wellness, there's like toxicity and people attach themselves to an outcome or something uh, like what they want to see happen, but they don't necessarily like and they share that with other people or they say like, Hey, I'm focused on like you having a better relationship with your body, but at the same time, don't eat sugar or like, don't do this (laughs) or don't do that. And it's like, there's, there's just a lot of toxicity across the board with it. And my, my kind of stance on it is this, like, I'm never going to tell you what not to do or what to do with your body. At the end of the day, what I want you to do, what I think is should be the focus is you getting in tune with your body, like body attunement was, I was listening to a book about that today was just, is just not something we're taught to do. And Mm -hmm. like, we don't know how to feel how we feel in our own bodies. Like, how does this food make me feel? How do I know Mm -hmm. I'm hungry? How do I know that this movement right now feels good for me and isn't increasing my stress level? Like just all of these things. So what I want to bring back to like my health and my body image and like my viewpoint is all on body attunement, trust your body, listen to your body, feel your body. If not eating carbs works for you, then don't eat carbs. But like, that's because it feels good for you. Not because you heard it on some radio or someone (laughs) told you to do it, you know, like that's kind of my thought process. Um, Just kind of bringing more of an awareness of self over listening to what everybody else is doing. You know, you sound like me, you know, I mean, come on. (laughs) I'm always pumping this like, well, how does it make you feel? I mean, somebody's, oh, I'm, you know, these, these concepts of like eliminating things or you know, sugar's bad or this bad or good, like bringing like this morality to food in a sense, which, you know, but it's people get swept up very easily by messages and things in society. So talk to me how a person could have a better antenna for understanding what is actually maybe harmful messaging about this and what is somebody providing like good messaging or better messaging that isn't like so toxic oh man that's such a that's such a big <laughs> grooming can't know. work I think you know that but I think uh, I know that yes <laughs> um I would say number one um I think the biggest red flag if you're talking to a health and wellness coach or you're working with someone is if, if you explain to them how you've tried something or you've done something and they just say, well, do it anyways, push, like if they completely ignore your feelings or your thoughts mm. or your experiences. Um, I feel like if, if a person is putting out messaging, that's very much like one-sided or very focused on self and not really understanding like that there's no right or wrong answer to a lot of this, that body mechanics and the way our bodies work, like all of that is, it's so different for each person. And so if the messaging is very like, this is the way to do it, like follow my meal plan. This is the best way to get these uh, results. I'm not saying their meal plan is wrong. And then it may not have a work for you for a short period of time, but it's missing the element of like you as a human being and like taking into account your health and what would work best for you. Yeah. I think most definitely there's um... I think we're actually, there's a crossroads we're having here. Like we have this great communication tool of the internet, which is fairly, fairly young. It's in its infancy, realistically. Which is crazy to think. Right? It's, you know, basically 1990, 91 was the creation of the World Wide Web. I mean, literally, that's that was literally no time ago. So as humans, we're still learning how to navigate this thing called the internet. And we see good things. We're also seeing a lot of strange things mm-hmm. too. So talk to me a little bit about kind of this also influencer culture in relation to body image, um, fitness, health, and wellness. You're bringing up a very interesting topic because I just mm-hmm. posted about this um, the other day on my Instagram. So I'm not a huge, like I use social media because it's like a pathway to get to like share my message. It's not my mm-hmm. favorite thing. I'm not, I don't consider myself an influencer in any way, shape or form. I'm just yeah. more of an information provider, but um, 
I posted something when it comes to like body positivity and body that like toxicity about it is where I kind of see a lot more focus on still the body um, in the sense of there's a lot of influencers out there who are like body positivity. Here's me in my bikini or my lingerie and I'm comfortable and awesome in my body. And that's a great message. It It's showing that there's diverse body types. I get that they have their purpose, but I feel like a lot of people get stuck on that. And then it's the, the real reason why I bring that up is it's still about the body. It's not about like, self or real true body positivity or like happiness in yourself. It's still about making this focus your body. And um, I feel like when we're influencers and people out there put that as a focus, it takes away from the message of like overall health not being, or like your health isn't about reaching a certain size or looking this way. So you can post these pictures on Instagram. It is really about like your whole holistic self. yeah, I think that kind of answers your question or is along the lines of what you're asking. Yeah. Well, two two things I have because I'm exploding with things I want to want to ask you. One, you mentioned that you social media, you're like, well, I'm kind of not a big fan of it, but I I use it to get my message out. I'm pretty sure I've heard that like eight million times. I'm sure at this point. What is it that everyone has this, what seems to be at least anecdotally, this massive exhaustion? of social media, but this also obligatory need to still use it. I think it's a lack of connection, to be honest. And if, if I'm speaking from my own experience and what I've seen sure. is sometimes um, we, we don't, we're so like disconnected. I think, especially after these last two years of like, yeah. not necessarily yeah. having a lot of human interaction. Um, I think we, we substitute human interaction with this digital world that allows us to like get those feelings and those quick hits and that like people liked my photo. So this is important and I feel valued and I get affirmations from a platform that isn't human connection. And so either they're scared to like reach out and have human connection, or they just don't necessarily know they have social anxiety. I don't know what it is, or they just don't have a deep like connection or support group here at their home Mm -hmm. like that's their next best bet and that's why I think social media is something that people turn to and like they consume so much of it and it consumes so much of their life and thought patterns and like the ways it can make you look at yourself view your relationships your friends your marriage whatever because you're seeing all these different things you know people only post the best things on social media they don't post the worst stuff it's not real life life. and that's why I think a lot of people to answer your question I think that's why a lot of people like attached to it and become so focused on it. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a growing movement. I like to share this with people. And I, I'm certainly part of this. Like, when people come my podcast, I'm like, listen, I don't have social media. I really don't. All I have is professional media. And I share it through that way. And through uh, online wellness platform that I have for myself, I said, so if you're looking for me to like push it out and all these, I don't have it. But the podcast keeps getting bigger, regardless of that. I feel like there, there are ways to be, to get your message out without social media, but I feel like we feel like we are indentured servants to it on mm. somehow and our businesses that like, I feel like I, at least me, I like to spread the word like, okay, you know, business was done without this before, right? Like absolutely, it can be done again, but the people control really the power behind it. If you continue to be a servant to it, and but you're saying you're exhausted by it there's a conflict there's a war there going on this is actually not going to get better probably (laughs) for that so i'm curious how you feel that aspect is going to evolve or how you can get your message or other people maybe beyond using these types of things related to health and wellness you know yeah. So it's very interesting. You brought up that like exhaustion from social media. Cause I was yeah. definitely feeling that in the beginning of my business, I felt like Instagram was the only way to make it grow. What's crazy is like my, one of my clients that I recently started working with, she, yes, she found me on Instagram, but we're actually connected by living in the same area. Of and course. it's so crazy. Cause it's like, yeah, Instagram provides you like a platform, but it's not the end all be all like human connection and getting out in the, in the area, meeting other fitness professionals, showing mm-hmm. up at events, doing your own events. Like there's a lot of ways to market that people have forgotten about. They, because forget. they just forget is like. the main source. And for <laughs> me, I like, I used to think I had to show up on my platform every single day, push content out, make content, mm-hmm. create this. And it was exhausting. And I've been working with a coach, coaches, 
which has always worked with coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who was basically, we've talked about that and just like, I need, I, I was running out of content ideas. It was becoming like a chore instead of something I enjoy. And like people can pick up on that. So yeah. um, I think it's important to just like, yeah, if you're going to use a platform like social media to get your vision and stuff across, do it in a way that makes sense for you. That is organic, not something you're forcing yourself to do. There's plenty of other organic ways, referrals, reaching out to people, connecting people, doing events, like ways you can, like for you, I mean, you mm-hmm. post your stuff on YouTube and you have your own platform, Oh, you don't anymore on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do put it on YouTube, but I, I don't like, I just basically just post it on there. I don't spend time on there. I was like, okay, yeah. just because of the video, but I'm going to be changing that. Like I'm oh. always working on moving off of everything because I don't want to be a servant to social media. And then that's what they bank on that. You will be that you are yeah. addicted. You, you can't make it without us engagement you know all this stuff and i just i'm trying to like push this a little bit i don't i mean i'm a little pushy about it but it's kind of like you know i grew up in a time where you didn't have this mm-hmm. and you know what people did they worked really hard by meeting people one by one <laughs> i mean that's just what they did they went to the chamber of commerce you know they went to different events in person obviously you know we're getting getting back to that type of thing uh, now but there's, it's, it's, it's called a lot of work. It's kind of a door-to-door mentality. It's the same thing yeah. you're kind of doing online, but it's different when you're seeing somebody in real life and they can't grift you. They can try to grift and scam you, but it's harder when you're seeing them. And I feel yeah. like a lot of fitness, health, and wellness is a huge grift and scam. It's a lot of fraudulent stuff because they're hiding behind the, the wall of social media a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And I can agree with that. I think, you know, I feel like before there, I've hired coaches online and I felt that way after I hired them, like it wasn't necessarily the best experience. And, um, I think you're hitting the nail on the head that people, like we talked about the reason why social media and like things like that is so important because human connection, people miss that like human connection and that affirmation. Um, but there's other ways to get it. And there's other ways to kind of put your, your message out there. Um, that are open. We just haven't explored it as there's people are afraid to, I don't know what, I feel like sometimes too, it might be even as a fitness professional, sometimes it's easier to hide behind the screen than it is to, um, to get in front of it, like, and get out and meet people. Like, cause maybe you're afraid of what people are going to say. You can put a curated message out there, um, online, but in, in, in person to person contact, it's not necessarily the most curated. You can't stop and like, you know, change or edit the video yeah. as you're going. It's life. It's real life. But that's what people connect with. They connect more with that than they do anything else. I always tell like other fitness professionals, like, how can I market myself better? I'm like, go on podcasts regularly, mm-hmm. yes. get yourself on a lot of podcasts, get people to actually see you talking, hear you talking about what you do, feel the conviction in your voice, watch your body language your facial expressions. I'm like, and it's, it's free. It's generally free. I'm like, you know, and you're, you get to have your space with another person and one by one by one, you start building your reputation with doing that. And, but you know what? It takes work. It takes time. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's a slow process uh, with that, but I wanted to transition. You talk about fitness. Where are you at in your fitness journey and how do you see fitness in its current state? That's a great question. So, um, I, so my, my fitness journey, I was a marathon runner. I've run three marathons. I've been in, I guess, fitness for most of my life. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of it was geared towards changing my body and reaching a certain weight or maintaining a certain look. Um, now that I'm in this space of focusing on what feels good and, um, different things, uh, I, I, am a coach. I like, I still train people on the side. One of my favorite things I do is I work with um, this organization called camp gladiator and I'm just Mm -hmm. a partner trainer. It's just a side gig. But, um, what I do is when I'm in the midst of like, I have a workout planned and I think it's awesome and it works for most people. Obviously I always offer suggestions or different alternatives to those. But what I think is most important is like reminding them that I'm, I'm telling you what you should do, but you also have the right to, to lower the impact, to change the way, to fit your body, your body mechanics are most important. So I say that to kind of bring to the, the forefront, my, my personal vision in health and wellness, especially when exercise is do what feels good, get out there, move, excuse my dog, <laughs> get out there, move, take care of yourself. That's the most important. Number one, movement is like the number one thing we don't do enough of. 
And it's because we're so focused on like a type of movement or we're so focused on it being achieving a goal instead of just like doing something that makes us feel good. Movement has important things like release stress, it's sort of anxiety, helps your body move through some things. It, it increases endorphins. It does so much for us. So find movement. So for me, I've stopped, like, I used to have like the same workout every, like <laughs> the same thing every week. And now I'm just like, I've, I've decided I'm going to spin one day. I've went to yoga. I tried a row class. I'm like all over the place. And it's just me experimenting with movement that makes me feel good. That just like releases the stress. And sometimes I'm running, sometimes I'm walking, sometimes I'm like, but I'm moving every single day. And I think that's the most important. I think that's the messaging we need to get out there more and more frequently. It's just like, get out there and do it. Okay. So let me, oh man, this is a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot at you. There's just a lot to talk about. I never plan anything for these discussions. I'd let people talk and then it just, I like, okay, downloading what I want to, what I want to ask here. So I'm, I'm not sure if you heard this or not, but you know, the CDC has recently said that physical inactivity is now basically a pre-existing condition. It's, it's a, essentially bad. <laughs> okay, maybe you didn't know that being inactive was not, I mean, pretty obvious. I think you didn't know moving wasn't good, but anyways, what are your thoughts about public health agency saying that physical inactivity is um, essentially almost like diabetes or cardiovascular disease. This is um, not good. And, you know, we need to do something about this. There's something happening in that brain there. I see. I, I'm yeah. just glad to do the video also because you see the wheels turning. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the... <laughs> so... I, I'm not a huge fan of health organizations. I don't know if you kind of get that from my vibe. Um, I appreciate their sentiment. Um, what I think it does is skews the importance of like what movement should be for. Then it, yes, physical inactivity is, is not, not good. We should all be active, right? Um, but when you kind of like start putting a label on it, a bad label, I think people are more likely to like either do it to an extreme or they don't. I don't know. They don't, I don't feel like they do it for like the right reasons. They're doing oh. it because it's like a forced activity. And I, I feel like active, I, I work with this one of my client right now. She's like, I love exercise, but I struggle with like doing, I don't know what exercise makes me feel good. I don't know what exercise actually helps my body. Mm -hmm. And that this goes back to the body attunement. Mm -hmm. Like just because everybody else is doing um, CrossFit, does not mean that CrossFit is going to be the best thing for you and your body right. and like your activity. So I feel like the CDC kind of just saying like a blanket statement with no real like action items, no real thought behind like, here's how you should possibly like engage in different types of movement. No like help. It's just kind of like, here's your blanket statement, go figure it out. Okay. Yeah. That's not going to work for everybody. And I feel like it just kind of leads to more lost like, or are getting stuck into some really wrong viewpoints towards movement and exercise that aren't healthy either. Don't you glad you came on? This is the hard hitting stuff here. I mean, like, you are hitting hard. And I was trying to like be as I saw you thought well thought out <laughs> that answer. <laughs> I would say, you know, and, and adding some layers to that, I was with uh, a colleague of mine who's associated with the CDC and all these different high level things. And, you know, the sentiment is we need to make this kind of a public health. We need to link this to public health. And I, I don't know, I, I feel very conflicted by that because I'm not sure people care about public health. So that's one thing. Two, we know that diabetes, cardiovascular disease, any cardiopulmonary issues, we know they're not good. It, it has not stopped the soaring rate of diabetes. I mean, even if you tell somebody, hey, do you know diabetes, you can go blind, you could lose a limb amputation. It doesn't stop people from getting it, a preventable thing. So what's the messaging? What should we do? Now, now you're good. You got the plan. Okay. What should we do to change this messaging so that actually more people will take it uh, to heart more, more often? I think we need to move away from, like you said, 
for some reason, diabetes doesn't scare people. Like things that actually are cardiovascular heart disease. We've talked about that. We've, I mean, the messaging has been around for how many years now, like at this point, right? People know it exists. People understand it. They still go to the doctor. They still hear the things that they don't want to hear and they don't change a darn thing about it. I think um, what the messaging needs to be is more along like, well, and here's the hard thing too, because people want to feel good. Exercise actually legitimately does make you feel good, regardless of (laughs) what you think or what you know, if you do it in the right way and with the right intention, um, it does make you feel good. Um, But people want the quick fix of what Mm -hmm. makes me feel good and what's going to like get it here quick without me having to put much effort into it. Um, And I think, you know, I I don't know if I have a a good answer for this (laughs) because like, honestly, people are so finicky. (laughs) They just want, like I said, the quick fix, they want to feel happy, but they don't want to do any work. And that's really what I think is going to come down to, I mean, kind of the separating sometimes of like where people are at in their life, the people who are okay with working hard and are okay with the fact that it's, you know, know know what it takes to feel good and to do the right things and to like be in tune with their body are going to keep doing it. And the others are, I mean, it's going to continuously be a statistic. I guess it's like, does statistics matter? Do you not want to be a statistic? That doesn't matter either. So I don't know. I don't Nothing's, have a great answer. I I like to ask this <laughs> what about question. You? I I have a definite uh, oh, idea. I'd love to hear it. I have a definite idea. Okay. I, here's the thing is I don't know if it'll work, but all I know is we got to stop doing the same thing. Absolutely. Like like the progression has been, you know, we've kind of do this whole late night infomercial thing. You, you know, it's kind of the snake oil salesperson thing. We fitness is such a ridiculous platform for that. It's so crazy. But then it's like transition 60, 90 days type of stuff, quick weight loss. And now we've kind of transitioned into um, exercise needs to be enjoyable. Let's make it entertainment. Let's distract you from what's actually happening. So we're trying all these things. We're trying to get people to not think about it, but you have to think about it. Like as part of a thing, I just think the I think the messaging is all wrong. And I think there's a great book that I think is a great starting point for this in the discussion with people, Dr. Daniel Lieberman, Harvard University, excellent researcher in the biological and anthropological beginnings of exercise of humans. So he looks at it and says, let's go all the way back to ancient humans, hunter-gatherer tribes, current hunter-gatherer tribes, what what is going on biologically? And his summation is, in all this huge amounts of research, humans were not meant to do the current version of what we're doing with exercise. And so we, our calories have always been spent on hunting, gathering, tubing, survival. We never had to think about exercise because it was just part of survival and living. It's part of our life, yeah. Part of our life. If you, if you had to do it or you'd be dead. Like when you face a real certain imminent death potentially from not surviving and you have to go out there, it's very different. And I think we, we need to have the messaging that one, it's okay that you don't want to do it. It's okay. <laughs> like it's totally fine. Actually, you shouldn't want to do it. You should not want to do it because biologically it actually makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got that out of the way, but the point is you have to at this point. And I think also that we need to be realistic that technology, while it's amazing, is also greatly taking away the activity out of our living. Oh, absolutely. That's not going to change. There's humans no. don't go backwards with technology and go, you know what? I really love having a smartphone. I'm going to go back to basically having a landline. Like no one's going backwards. Uber is not going backwards. You know, the, you know, augmented. So all these things are happening to decrease our physical activity. So we need to, we need to face the technological divide that we're having. And we also need to tell people it's okay. You don't want to do this and then figure out a message of how do we how do we bring back the activity in our living, at least on some level? Because we're not going to stop the technological march. It's just not going to happen. That's my two cents. That's where I got it right now. I 
<laughs> I find it very interesting because like a lot of like the food, the way we look at mm-hmm. like intuitive eating, the thought process behind intuitive eating is going back to like the hunter gatherer society yeah. and understanding. Um, I love that viewpoint on exercise. And it's very interesting because if you think about it, those cavemen weren't like on the sidelines running, you know, sprints and stuff like that to get ready for that time, the saber tooth or whatever came across and they had to run, like they just weren't doing that. So like a lot of what we do for exercise is very unnatural um, because, and, and the reality is because it goes back to this idea of changing our physical body, not necessarily doing what exercise is supposed to do for our body. Um, And that's a big I think a big player in that as well as why people don't want to do it is because they're like, well, I'll never get to that body or I'll never look that way. So why should I start exercising? And it's like, no, like this is about doing something. Yeah. You don't want to do, but like, this is about life, not about achieving a body type or being a certain way. Yeah. And I think, I also think it's important that as exercise or or health and wellness professionals, some, a lot of this is our fault too, though, on some level, yes, like yes. we have very poor uh, representation of being in the business. The certification organizations uh, are not great. There's literally very much no regulation to be in the business. It's a lot of our fault. And I think we have very poor definitions of exercise, physical activity, and movement. We have not defined them. We think they're the exact same thing and they're not. And so I think we've just have done a really poor job all around and I'm in the business. I own up to it. I'm part of it. I'm going to say I'm part of it. Even though I feel like I have a lot of knowledge, I'm going to say I'm part of it too. We need to rewire this thing. The question is, is it possible? Is it, are we going to one day have a society where more people are active than they are not? I hope I want that to be a reality um, in the sense of just longevity for people mm-hmm. and like better, better health, better feeling, better mental wellness. Um, I think the pace society is going though is not the one that's going to lead to that. <laughs> I'm pretty, uh, I'm a pretty positive person. I don't have a lot of hope. <laughs> so yeah. I'm telling you, I don't know. I'm just looking at it. I'm like, unless there's a major shift in the dynamic of, manual-based activity, labor, people want comfort. You're asking them to override their human condition, path of least resistance, which is why the 15 to 18% of people who exercise regularly has been the same numbers for the past 30, 40 years. So I love talking to people in our businesses. I'm like, can somebody give me a good answer? Like, how do we overcome this? How do we do this? I honestly, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. The fitness industry has to be over overwhelmed and changed and overrun by like this idea of what we've consistently been putting out there as the messaging 90 days to the perfect body, 90 days till you get your summer body, (laughs) whatever, all of that stuff. And like, we use that fear-based marketing to get Mm. people because when you go away from fear-based marketing and you're like, this will make you feel good. People are less likely to buy it because they're not afraid. So we know that fear gets the money. And so let's use the fear to get the money, to get the people to do this. And it doesn't achieve the same results because it, you know, it fear only lasts so long before people are like, okay, well, this isn't working the way that I thought it should. So. Wow. That was very insightful. I like that. The fear-based marketing. How do we turn that around though? Like, it seems like people respond to that initially, but there's not this, what, what would you do to like turn that around? Yeah, I honestly, in my business, I, I, I used to be all pain points, like in the beginning, like, here's okay. what's wrong. Let me hit this pain point, And this is what's going to get people. Nobody bought from me. When I hit people. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, okay, yeah, I know that's wrong. So what? I know. Um, yeah. But when you start to relate to them as human beings, and you start to like, I think vulnerability, like I am, I'm there with you. I see what you're going through. I feel that way. I don't want to like this idea that, you know, every and kind of mentioned influencers, every influencer is out there living their perfect life because they lost 75 pounds and work out seven days a week. And they're like, this is the perfection, like idea we want to put out there in the fitness world. And then we fear them into like, well, if you're not that size or you don't look this way, come by from me and I'm going to help you. People, like I said, it gets you quick results, but it doesn't, the, we look, that's a, like a snapshot of what health 
and what wellness means to individuals. And so as a society, as a fitness culture, we need to move away from trying to get the quick fixes and help people actually like yeah. focus on like longevity and by sharing and being vulnerable with our own stories. Like, Hey, today, I don't want to work out. And that, Maybe I didn't, maybe today I didn't work out because you know what, it was not the right thing, but that's okay because, or I didn't do an, ex I just went for a walk instead. Like showing people that like fitness isn't have to be this, like such a structured purposeful all the time kind of thing. Cause like you said, if you go back to like, I think that's so great. I'm going to use that hunter and gather thing. But if you go back to them, it wasn't like a purposeful thing. It was just things that they did every day. And that is where like real professionals and like as a fitness organization like organization and people we need to get back to is like real life real life like real nobody's life. working out in the gym three hours a day and if they oh. are that's because they want to and that's <laughs> like that is what they how they get paid or make their money or get their <laughs> from instagram not everybody uh, does that and that's not realistic so let's get back to what's real for people and what's even also interesting, I think there's a lot of, I had a lady on who talks about personal myth-making. I was very enthralled by it. Ooh, I was like, man, Janelle, her name's Janelle. She's such an awesome person. And um, she's like, well, we all tell a myth about ourselves, this myth-making. And, and how do you kind of get to the, the truth of yourself, not have this, this myth of who you actually are? And like, like we, we, we do this all the time in news. We create these myths about things. So I'm, I'm sure you were, you were aware of like sitting and all the articles, very fear-based sitting's terrible for us to new smoking type of thing. But if you actually look at the research for this longitudinal research with hunter gatherer tribes, they sit and sat as much as humans now do. Right. So, but a lot of people don't know that. They don't really think, oh, oh yeah, we sit so much, but they don't actually know that actually a lot of times they actually spend sitting, but they also spend a lot of time spending their energy doing other things that are very manual based. But there goes that fear of marketing. You're basically smoking because you're sitting so much. You know, I think we have to like, this is just a lot of snake oil salespeople and it's on steroids because it's on the internet at this point. So I feel like we just have to, we, I think we have to have the courage to go out there and, and talk about it with other people and be like, that's just not true. <laughs> like, it, it's just not true. Same thing with food. How much disinformation is out there about food? Oh my gosh. Right. It may be the worst is food. And like, that is, I, I feel like that's the biggest form of, and I'm going to use this word control, but like, yeah, for food is a form of control. Mm. And in fitness industry, it has been used as control. Let me control the way you view your body, the way you have a relationship with food by telling you what you're doing is wrong. And by telling you that you're going to believe me. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to like recite all these resources that say that this has this chemical and this and this, and like, just try to get you to be afraid of what you're doing, of what you're feeding your body. And then they don't realize that what that does, that fear, um, when you have a fear of a relationship with food or fear of food, then your body is like in a, in a flight state. And yes. like, no matter what nutrients you're taking in, it's not absorbing it the way it should be because it's fearful. It's scared. It's not like, so take away that fear. Like, and we don't want to do that because like you said, that sells, but if you help people like have a relationship with food in the sense of like, and like, it's sometimes it's like, well, you should just like have a healthy, like, this is how you're feeding your body and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And all that, like, okay. Oreos is not going to like feed your body, but sometimes you just want an Oreo. And exactly. So <laughs> like, stop trying to tell people that it's so wrong. And like, you know, and I think there's, you know, the, that's why we talked about open this by talking about the toxicity and like mm -hmm. the industry. And that's one of those things that it's so toxic because, um, even, you know, I've moved away from diets in the sense of like, I don't put myself on a diet, but I'm okay with a food experiment. And there's a difference between a food mm. experiment and a diet. Food experiment is telling myself, okay, I've noticed that my body doesn't react well to meat. Like protein has always been a big thing in the fitness industry. Double your protein, you'll lose weight, you'll get the bulk, you'll get your tone, you'll look great. I've always done that. And I've noticed like recently that my body's not necessarily processing protein. So I'm putting grains back into my diet. When was the last time I ate grains without any fear? It's been a while, mm. like grains, beans, nuts, all those things that were like told not to eat. 
there's a huge chance that my body needs those things. And I've been like telling my body not to. So it's just like, to get back to your question, I kind of went off on a tangent, but yes, the fear, the, the end of the story is when it comes to our relationship with food, we have been so misinformed because we've been made to think that it's a one size fits all the, 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 um, oh my God, the, my plate or the food pyramid that we've been fed for years and years and years is like the answer to everybody, but that's not the case. Your body mechanics or the way your biology, the way your body reacts to food so different and it changes throughout our life. So the way you eat now may not be the way you eat five years from now. And that is okay. And that's why food experiments over diets are way more important and way more of a better tool and strategy to teach people because it allows them the freedom to like start to experiment and understand that it's not about restricting. It's about change. It's about seeing what works and getting in back in tune with what my body feels. I love the term food experiment. I don't think I've ever heard that before. That's pretty cool, actually. So if I was to say, what does health mean to you? What do you have to say about that? Health to me is a holistic, like I'm looking at it, instead of looking at a small picture of my life, a snapshot of the next five years, I'm looking at overall, what does my life look like and how can I do things daily that extend my life, that make me feel good? So health to me includes what kind of foods am I like? What foods make me feel good? What kind of exercise makes me feel good? What kind of stress relief? Like, what am I doing to handle stress? Like we all work, we have jobs. Like we don't put stress as like a health and wellness thing, but I feel that it's a very big, how am I mentally taking care of myself? How am I healing from trauma that I've carried around for years? Like, am I just shoving it away in a closet? So health to me takes the whole person into account, their experiences, their life, like their past, their future and what they want to see. And it takes them and helps them move. Like the goal of health should be like, here's some strategies to help you get through these times. Like here's some things you should think about and here's how you can be happier, feel good, like in tune with your body and just like live in life with no expectation of like anybody else, what anybody else thinks you should be. It's more of like what I know I should be and what makes, feels good for me. That's how for me. You can tell I'm into definitions here. I, and I think you words are. have a lot of power. They do have definitions. And like, you ever have somebody say, well, I'm eating healthy or I'm going to be healthier. I have no clue what that means, like from their point of view. But I would say I'm more in tune to like what you're talking about. I look at it as a wheel of wellness and that, hey, if someone is like in really great physical condition and they have, you know, they eat according to what makes them feel good or what their body reacts to, but they have horrendous sleep habits. That is not a healthy person to me. Oh, I didn't even bring up sleep, but sleep. Right. I mean, sleep's like, but these are, I think this malleability of mm-hmm. what we're learning is sleep may be the foundation for almost everything. Oh, absolutely. Like behavior, a lot of people's behavior is often off based off of their sleep habits. You know, somebody may say, well, I'm always, I'm not in a great mood. I'm like, well, how much are you sleeping? every night like it's a huge component of your mood for that you know do you have a good social life do you how do you handle um you know like it's a trauma-based situation what's your emotional wellness do you have high neuroticism or you have a very stable emotional output all these things work together uh and i think we're not looking at it that way we're looking at fitness and food basically and now we're adding in mental health. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's way more. It's way deeper than those things, I believe. And it's not, and it's, and we're moving to a, like, here's things to do. Get your morning routine, right? Yeah. Like, here's your list of food. It's like things to do instead of like an overall, like, how can you, what makes sense for you? What does this mean for you? Not yeah. like, here's a list of things to do. And I feel like that's really where I'm struggling in like the market mm. and what I'm seeing too, because that's not another checklist item. Isn't going to make or improve or change your health. Like you have to see it from a bigger an outside perspective looking in. So where do you want to be? Like, what are your, where do you see yourself and your pathway for becoming a more well-rounded uh, person in all aspects of your life. Where do you want to be versus where you are now? I want to be in a place where I have um, 
what's interesting is like, I've only been in the, the health and wellness, like a, as a coach or anything for the last two years. And I feel like, um, a lot of it was all about like, how can I get information and like taking in information and not necessarily then like working on myself. And so my biggest thing is I am for my health journey right now, my most important thing is healing some, some past stuff, mm. healing some things, healing, like I've healed my relationship with my food, food and body, but I haven't healed my relationship with myself in some other areas mm. and like recognizing that it's okay to feel those emotions. It's okay. Like you don't have to change anything. Sometimes, sometimes you have to like revisit a past thing and have this, these thoughts and feelings come up and you just have to experience, experience them again, and then see how you've changed. How have I been, how have I gotten through that and be yeah. okay with that? So I, outside of doing the things that I've already, like the, the health part of like fitness and eating and whatever, like my biggest focus is really on like getting more in tune with like my emotions and self and being okay with that and vulnerable. And I feel like that's like another layer of health and wellness that we don't do enough of. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with your approach on all this. I really, I really am. Like, I never know what to expect when I meet anybody, literally, I have no clue, but I, I like to push a little, you know, I put out their topics and stuff. I'm like, okay, well, let's get into this. You know, I just love your approach. I think it's, it's so refreshing. I think more of us want to do that and have that approach. It's like, again, how do we get that message out? You know, that doesn't feel like it's catering to a, a toxic way of thinking about things, you know, where everything is so quick. Why does everything have to be so quick? It's like I once told someone, I said, you know, we used to, as a civilization, have 100, 200 year projects. The thought of doing that now was ridiculous to most people. They're like, well, I won't be around for it. I'm like, I know that's the point. It's for other people. And I think part of our journey as humans is to serve other people in a positive, loving, kind way beyond your time here. That's also part of health. I really feel something bigger than yourself, whatever that may be. Now that we've become this very toxic individualistic society, mm. all about me. You're the whole term, I'm going to do me. I hate that term. I'm like, okay, it's good to take care of you, but when does self-care become self-indulgence and selfishness? Another thing I think we need to tackle, I think, in our society. And it goes back to that original kind of one of those conversations when we were talking about social media and the lack of human interaction. It's because we're so individualistic about ourselves. We're so self-absorbed and like no shade <laughs> if you are, that's, it is what it is. But like humans weren't made to be self-absorbed and individualistic people. We were made to be a community of people who work together like, and so community should be a top priority as in health and wellness and something we talk about, but we don't do enough of. It was funny. We understand that like dogs are pack animals. Oh yeah. Humans are very much pack animals, very similar. It's like, we don't get the, the comparison. <laughs> like, oh yeah, dogs, they run in packs and there's an alpha and there's all this stuff. I'm like, you know, humans are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you think everybody craves being together with other people or every, everybody wants to be in a group. They want to be a part of something, you know? I don't know. It's like, we have to understand we got to help each other. And this is a big mountain to climb, you know, our personal wellness and all these things. But there's also a lot of people selling things that do not have your best interests at heart. You know, you may like goop, but it ain't in your best interest. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. <laughs> you got to see past it, though. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, ha you have to, you have to challenge whatever things challenge. like, and that's what I think why I take that approach of like, what makes you feel good and getting in tune with your body. Because a lot of the times we ride these emotional waves of like thoughts and feelings, and then people prey on those thoughts and feelings and emotional waves that we're on recognizing number one, you have an emotional wave. It's going to happen. There are going to be things and emotions you're feeling that are going to make you feel bad that are, you're going to think need to be solved and just ride that wave out. Don't solve it right away. Maybe yeah. there is no solving to that and that's okay. Right. And then you won't have to like buy the next best thing someone comes around with because you're not going to be in that fear-based place. Yeah. You're going to instead be searching for things that actually complete, not fix. Last question. I just thought of this. How do you question things, but not become conspiratorial with it in this aspect? I, 
I feel like there's a lot of conspiracies out there. And I, <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> and it's so easy sometimes to go down a lane. And, and for me, in my practice and the way that I try to like look at things, um, I really do sometimes have to be called out on my neutral, like keeping a neutral stance and the same, the same thing that things aren't always black and white and, and how some, a lot of the times in the information that we read and the things that we see, it's based on someone else's experience. Even if they've researched it and done all the things they're bringing their background, their experience, their bias, their thoughts into whatever they're putting out there. And you have to realize that and like recognize that's just part of the process. And for me, Sometimes it's just like recognizing when I have black and white thinking and let I'm not necessarily seeing it from the other person's perspective. And so like, when it comes to conspiracies, I'm like, okay, that seems a little off for me. I don't necessarily know how I feel about that, but if that's how that person believes that's their perspective, that's their journey, not mine. And like, just move back to like, where's the middle ground? Where's the <laughs> middle ground? And how can I like align myself to what I know is true based on my own experience and live that instead of like trying to always answer everybody else's experience. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, Alex, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Please tell everyone how they can contact you and have a stimulating conversation like I just had. Absolutely. Um, if not on social media, just you can email me um, at growgritfit at gmail.com. Um, that's also my Instagram handle, Facebook. You can find me there if you want as well. I'm open to DMs, conversations. Even if you just want to chat, um, that's what I'm here for. Community is what's most important to me in any of my business. So, Fantastic. Alex Hart, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much. When it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. How about we heat things up tonight? Ooh, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback.